Good morning. It is great to see you all on this gloomy day. Um, Jesus. Jesus spent 40 days alone in the wilderness. The Israelites, they spent 40 years alone wandering around the wilderness. What about us? Where in our life is there a wilderness? You know, when do we feel most alone, the deepest loneliness, you know, a thirst that we just can't quench? We all feel alone at times. Yeah, we're starting out on a really happy note today. It's okay. Um, loneliness is a big problem in our world today. There are loads of headlines. Way more people feel seriously lonely now than before. But it seems that after the pandemic, if you look at the statistics, it's pretty much doubled. You know, in some surveys, it's gone from about a third of us to more like two-thirds of us that are seriously lonely. Now, there, it hits people differently. There's um, young adults, moms with young kids, men. It hits particularly hard. But this affects all of us. In talking to you all, lots of us are lonely. Now, I'm no expert, but this guy is an expert, right? The Surgeon General, and he has declared that loneliness is an epidemic on par with the opioid crisis and obesity. Yeah, loneliness can kill you. Seriously, it raises your, the risks to your health about the same as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. I mean, for example, loneliness drives up your risk of heart disease by 29%, stroke by 32%, dementia by 50%. Loneliness is a huge problem, but it's not a new problem. The Bible, seriously old. The Bible talks about loneliness. David, King David, cries out to God in the Psalms, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely lonely and afflicted. David was a guy that understood loneliness. Right As a kid, he was overlooked and ignored, sent out to take care of the sheep in the wilderness by himself. As a young adult, right, he was on the run, hunted, literally hunted by a jealous King Saul. He spent time in caves, desperate and alone. Then when he finally makes it big, right, he becomes king, he's rich and successful. Well, then he faces the isolation that often comes with leadership and success. Loneliness was a bad thing in David's life. Yeah, I'm sure it affected his health by some percentage. And yet, God used his deep loneliness. In his beautiful book, A Sacred Sorrow, Michael Card writes, the wilderness struggles of the life of David became the major themes of his Psalms of Lament. Out of the shadows of his solitary life, he discovered solace and a path back to intimacy with God through the laments he began to create and sing, no doubt, when he was a lonely shepherd boy. As he faced over and over again the frightening specters of many adversaries, the many adversaries life would hurl in his direction, Lament would provide a bridge back to the safe presence of God, an unheard of hunger for Hesed, and a passion for presence permeated the lonely life of the first shepherd king of Israel. Wow. I don't know about you. I don't want to feel lonely. 
but I sure do want that kind of hunger, that thirst that David had for God's love and his presence. Loneliness is powerful. But let me suggest today that loneliness isn't a disease. It's a symptom. It's like pain. Loneliness and pain, they hurt, but they tell us, they teach us things that we need to know. You know, there's actually people who are born with a, uh, a birth defect where their nerves don't connect up to their brain. It's a rare defect, and they don't feel pain. And you might be thinking, oh, that's great, they don't feel pain. But it is extremely dangerous not to feel pain when your body, when there's something wrong with it. Imagine your hand on the stove, and you don't pull it away because you don't feel pain. You just leave it there to burn. Also, it is extremely dangerous to not feel lonely when there is something wrong with our souls. Loneliness, it has some important things to teach us. You know, there's a lament bookmark in the um, seat in front of you. You can pull it out of there, grab that and take it with you. And on there, there is a quote from when the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt. This is God talking to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. Worship him where? Yeah, not in the promised land when they were fat, dumb, and happy. No, no. It's worship. God needs his people to worship him in the lonely wilderness. Why? Because God has something to teach them, to teach us. He's got a couple things that he wants to show us. Alone in the wilderness, we learn the worth of God, the worth. We learn to worship him. In a couple of weeks, one of our worship pastors, Rachel, she's going to talk more about lament and loneliness. It is so good. For today, we're going to look at how the lonely wilderness teaches us our need for God, how we have a heart-shaped hole, excuse me, a God-shaped hole in our hearts. We have this God-shaped holes inside of us. That's a lesson that we need to learn. Where we're going today is we're going to see that when we feel alone, and we all feel alone, we're faced with a choice. We, when we see that we need God, we can either choose to find some, some cheap and fleeting God substitute to fill that hole in our hearts, or we can choose to stubbornly refuse to let go of our loneliness, to hold on to our lament until it connects us. No longer, no longer no, no, doesn't matter how long it takes to connect us with God. And to see that today, we're going to look at two psalms, Psalm 42 and 43. You can pull out your Bible now at home. You can pull out your device or however you look at the Bible. Here, it's on page 386 in the Bibles we have. Um, first, though, I'm going to pray, and then we'll read the psalms. So, Lord Jesus, I invite you here even more. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. We need your presence. Oh, God, loneliness is a big deal. It's a big deal in our world. It's a big deal in our hearts. And I pray, God, that you meet us in our loneliness today. You change us because we turn to you when we feel alone. Come. Amen. So Psalm 42 
and Psalm 43 are like twins. They're a set. They go together. And nobody knows who wrote them. It says the sons of Korah. And back then, that was like uh, temple musicians. Some think that the author was with David when he was in exile. Some people think that the author was David himself. Um, the, the point is that the author was alone. He felt this, this crazy loneliness, this apparent absence of God. And so for us, again, where do we feel the wilderness? When, when do we feel most alone, the deepest loneliness in our lives? Let's picture that. Let's hold on to that as I read the psalm. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God. My tears, have been, my tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of the Lord under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festival throng. Why, my soul, are you, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls, calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul? Are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Now Psalm 43. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my case against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with a lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Wow. What a beautiful, a raw and honest lament. You can just feel his loneliness as he calls out the longing need for God. Some of us can really relate to that. For all of us, why do we feel lonely? It's not a trick question. It's because without God, we are all 
alone. We're alone. Now, I know for those of you here, you're in a room with a bunch of other people. Online, maybe you're with other people, maybe you're not. But you can be in a room like this with people around you and you can feel all alone, lonely. I think most of us can relate to that. We go through life with people, but the truth is we come into this life alone and we leave this life alone. Yeah, our hearts, they, they need something more. We thirst for something more. And don't get me wrong, people are good. They are, seriously. It's good to have people and friends and social connections. Absolutely, it is great to have those things. We, we need them. They, they improve our health. They totally do. But again, our hearts need something more. We thirst for something more than that. Do you see that? We're calling out for something more in our lives. Now, what triggers that feeling in us that we need something more? We're gonna look at the big three. Three big things that trigger that feeling of loneliness, the things that wake us up to the fact that without God, we are all alone. The first of them is that we feel alone because of tragedy, right? Remember, remember David, Psalm 25, turn to me and be gracious to me. For I am lonely, lonely, and afflicted. David's afflictions, his troubles, his enemies were super real. <laughs> People were trying to kill him. Yet the first thing he points to, the first thing he calls out to God is about his loneliness. He felt alone in his tragedy. You know, you can be surrounded by supportive people. And I can tell you from experience, when the doctor walks in and tells you that you have cancer and you could die, it's easy to feel all alone. Or, or for parents, couples who lose a child, the tragic death of a child, they have each other, and it's easy to feel all alone. Pain and tragedy are part of this life. Have we experienced, have we felt the loneliness of it? Second, the big three. Um, we feel alone because of our sin. Guilt and shame are solitary experiences. Our sin cuts us off from other people, from those around us. It, 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 our sin stands between us and God. I mean, just read Lamentations or the, the Lament Psalms, right? Think about the ugly sin in our own lives. And like Adam and Eve, so often, we don't confess, we don't lament our sins. No, we hide from our loving and redeeming God. And so we feel all alone in our guilt and shame. Have you been there? I know I have. So, tragedy, sin, they're huge when it comes to feeling lonely. They are. But, and this is a big, like a Sir Mix-a-Lot size but, but, verse 42. Verse 42. In verse 42, he, the, the author, the psalmist, doesn't point to some big tragedy. He doesn't point to some giant sin in his life for why he feels so alone. The third reason, we feel alone for no reason at all. Everyone feels alone. You, you, you don't need a tragedy. You don't need some awful sin. No, even people who don't believe in God feel alone, all alone. Now, sure, 
folks have dissected Psalm 42. There's, there's theories, hints as why he feels so alone. I mean, in verse 4, right, he's talking about how he used to go to the house of God. And verse 6, it talks about how he remembers the Jordan. Maybe the guy's moved, right? Maybe he's lost his church community. That can make you feel lonely. It absolutely can. We can feel lonely for that reason. Or, or verse 3 and verse 10, it talks about how his foes are taunting him. Maybe he posted something online and learned to re regret it, right? Or maybe he went off to college and everybody's partying and drinking and sleeping around and folks are teasing him, taunting him for not joining in. Or then, in verse 3, it says... My tears have been my food day and night. I mean, that's poetic language for this guy ain't eating, and he's not sleeping either. Now, I'm not sure that's enough for a clinical diagnosis, but an armchair doctor like me would say, hmm, probably depressed. He needs to see a real doctor and get some help. Stepping back here, moving to a new place, getting out of our spiritual rhythms, Hostile environment, you know, clinical depression. All of these things can make us feel alone. And hundreds of other things can make us feel alone. We don't need some big reason or really any reason at all to feel alone. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. We may not notice it. We may not acknowledge it. We might need some tragedy, some sin, some reason in our life to wake us up, but the ultimate reason why we feel all alone is in the first verse of Psalm 42. The Bible teaches us. It's clear that us humans, we need God. We need God as much as animals. They need, we need water, right? We, our souls need God spiritually, as much as our bodies need water physically. This is an important truth, that we have this God-shaped hole in our hearts. It is super important. And yet, us humans, we are slow learners. It seems like we can't just read it in the Bible and get it. We need to go through the lonely wilderness to learn our need, our deep need for God. It is why we feel alone and lonely. It's also why when Jesus comes again, there will be no loneliness in the new heaven and the new earth. No, <laughs> because God's dwelling place will be among his people and he will dwell with them, Revelation 21. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty cool the way God made us, that we feel pain and loneliness. It's not a flaw, it's a feature to teach us things. Now, you might not agree with that. You might think, it's dumb that we feel lonely, okay? I'll tell you, the God I know, he tends to repeat the lessons, no matter how painful, until I get them. We shouldn't expect to get out of the lonely wilderness until we learn the truth. I love the way that Michael Picard puts the truth. The terrible truth is that we are, all of us, alone, but for the one who waits on the other side of the bridge of lament. He offers no solutions, but only his presence. Our tensions are rarely resolved, but as they are offered up, we inevitably discover a new joy. He binds us, excuse me, he bids us to give voice to our confusion and disappointment. If we would only join David in lament, we might discover that voice. 
Now, from what Card says here, you can see that we have a choice, right? When we're lonely, when we're in the lonely wilderness, we get to decide how to respond. Yeah, when we feel alone, and we all feel alone, we can either choose to find some cheap, fleeting God substitute, or we can choose to stubbornly hold on to, refuse to let go of our lament until lament takes us and connects us with God. This is, why da- this is one of the things about David. What made him so great is over and over and over again, right? He refused, stubbornly refused to let go of his loneliness. He turned to God. In lament, he turned to God and he found deep intimacy with God. But he didn't always do that. Once, he famously chose a cheap, fleeting God substitute of lust and adultery. We all get this choice over and over and over again. And I get it. Loneliness sucks. It is hard to be alone and to feel so alone. It is. And and I tell you, I'm not like David. So often what I do over and over again is I choose God's substitutes to fill that hole in me. And maybe, maybe you're like me. You think, I just can't take it. I gotta fill that, God, that God-shaped hole in my heart with something. Maybe what you do like me is you put people there. Relationships, right? You believe the big lie of ro- romantic comedies, right? <laughs> that there's some perfect person out there. You complete me. No. Or maybe, maybe you take your kids or a friend and you jam them into that hole in your life. Or Maybe like me, you've tried to fill that hole with stuff, right? Retail therapy. You know, it's the big house or the fancy car or the the boat, or maybe it's just the latest fashions or gadgets. For a while in my life, it, it was electronics. I loved researching and buying the latest, coolest stereo or TV or or computer, whatever it was. But you know, it was always a fleeting satisfaction because you haven't even paid the credit card bill and there's something new or better out and you feel empty again. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or, or maybe we try to fill that hole with experiences, activities and hobbies and addictions. And, and these aren't necessarily bad. Like, you know, people and stuff are good unless we're using them as God substitutes. Well, okay, some of these things are bad. You know, porn and heroin and adultery, they're just bad. But a lot of these things, you know, it can go either way, right? It, you know, drinking in moderation or even gambling or eating or, you know, travel, crafts, sports. These things aren't necessarily bad, but we need to look at why we're doing them. Are we trying to fill a hole in our heart? I mean, the truth is, we all do this. We medicate our loneliness with people and stuff and experiences because it's hard to feel lonely. And so we look for that God substitute. And the problem with all our God substitutes is they don't work. We're trying to fit a square peg into a God-shaped hole. It won't go. And we, down deep, know it. Because we know that we thirst, we long for something that is outside this world. 
Over 70 years ago, in his classic book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and, and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love or first think of some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. I am not speaking of what would, ordinarily, what would be ordinarily called unsuccessful marriages or holidays or learned careers. I am speaking of the best possible ones. There was, there was something we grasped at in the first moment of longing, which just fades away in the reality. I think everyone knows what I mean. The wife may be a good wife. The hotels and scenery may have been excellent, and chemistry may have been an interesting job, but something has evaded us. Even in all our God substitutes, our loneliness, our emptiness doesn't go away. We need, our souls need God the same way our bodies need water. And we can choose we can choose to, to refuse to let go of our loneliness until our lament connects us with God. We can choose that. David, the Psalms, right? The Bible shows us that it is possible. And I'll tell you, I'm no David, no. But I can even see it in my own life when I look back. 30 years ago, I chose to go to law school because I wanted to go in the foreign service, you know, like be an ambassador, a diplomat. And I was convinced that was the life for me. And after the first year of law school, I got a job during the summer with a professor working on his uh, international law textbook, the chapter on human rights. And I quickly discovered that international law is a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. There's no sovereign. It's might makes right. And I spent hours reading all these stories of these diplomats that had spent their careers, really their lives, fighting for human rights, fighting against the atrocities of this world. And it made so little difference. This hit me like a ton of bricks. Probably because one of my God substitutes was I had a purpose, a meaning. I was going to make a difference in this world. And I sank into a pretty deep depression. Yeah, I, I lived alone, and when I wasn't at work, I would lie on the apartment floor just staring at the ceiling. It was grim. And, and I got so desperate. I was so lost, so lonely, that I stopped into the little chapel that they had at the law school. I, I couldn't talk to my friends, my family about this, but the nuns, the priests that hung out there, Georgetown is a Jesuit school, they, they would listen to me. They were kind and patient and they would just sit with me in the wilderness. And, and they didn't have any answers. They just pointed me to Jesus. So I cried out to Jesus for answers. And you know what I heard? Nothing. Silence. He didn't magically give me a new purpose for my life, a reason to keep working so hard. You know one of the worst parts of the wilderness? 
is you don't know when it's going to end. It could be 40 days or it could be 40 years. We are out of control in the wilderness. For me, after what seemed like far too long crying out to God, Jesus did show up with his sweet, quiet peace. Yeah, I didn't get answers. It took me years to figure out the answers, to get some answers from God. But in that moment, I received his peace and it made all the difference in the world. It was the kind of peace that you could build a life on, way better, way stronger, and more stable than any plans or purposes that I had for my life. And I don't think that God is nearly done teaching me about my need for him. Now, in the wilderness that we are in as a church, I think he's got a ton to teach us about how we need him. Remember, when we are alone, and we are all alone, we get to choose. Will we either find some cheap and fleeting God substitute or will we refuse to let go of our loneliness until our lament connects us with God? What's your choice? Holy Spirit, come now. Just come now and just shine your truth in this room to the folks online. Show us what's really going on in our lives, what we have chosen. And give us the strength to endure the wilderness, the courage, Jesus, to choose you. Come. Well, let's say that we do choose Jesus. What would that look like? I mean, really practically, what does it look like to, to walk out refusing to let go of our loneliness and, and just holding on until the lament takes us to God? Well, Psalm 42 the bridge of lament. So in verse four, in verse four of the psalm, he says that he is crying out, he is pouring out his soul to God. I mean, really, isn't that the whole psalm? It's pouring out of his soul, but that's verse four. Remember, before that, he says that he is thirsty, that he's not feeling God. He doesn't, it's like his prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, right? He, 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 he worships and it does nothing for him. And yet, he, pray, he prays, he pours out this beautiful psalm. The first step on the bridge of lament is to turn to God when we don't feel it. Yeah, it, it is to pray and to cry out to him when we don't feel it. If God feels like he is unreal, like he is a million miles away, then go to him and pray. If, if we are angry at God, then go to him and tell him that we're angry. Cry out to him, complain, let him have it. Do you see this? When we're in the lonely wilderness and we think prayer is pointless, that's the time to pray. When, when we think that worship does nothing, sing. When, when we think that Bible reading is a waste of time, don't miss it. It's more spiritual disciplines, not less. And when you're in that place and you're thinking, this ain't working, nothing has happened, where is God? I'm sorry. Tell him about that. Tell him about how much you miss him and want his presence. Because if God feels unreal, if we feel cut off from him and we don't go to him and tell him about it, that feeling is gonna last way, way longer. 
The first step is to turn to God, even if we don't feel it. Next, the psalmist, he remembers. Throughout the psalm, he's remembering. He's remembering the good old days. He's remembering the times with God. So, for example, deep calls out, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life like a roaring waterfall sweeping over him. He's had a powerful experience of God's love. He points to God's love, God's hesed, his covenant faithfulness, his unconditional, unearned love. The next step is to remember God's love. Many of us, we have had powerful experiences of God's love. We have. Hold on to those in the lonely wilderness. Hold on to them. And you know, the Bible is full of reminders of God's love. Oh, yeah. Here's, here's one of my favorite. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that Scripture would be fulfill, fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. That's Jesus. Bloody and bruised and beaten, hanging on a cross, literally suffocating to death slowly. Remember that, because that's his love. That is the measure of his love, that he would endure that for you and for me. And let me tell you, the physical pain of the cross wasn't the worst part. The punishment for sin is separation from God. Jesus, the Son, and the Father had been one for all of eternity until the cross where the father turns his back on Jesus, forsakes him. Imagine what that felt like for Jesus. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Just imagine how profoundly lonely Jesus was on the cross. Oh, we can't imagine it. We cannot imagine that depth of spiritual pain. But we can see that that's the measure of his love for us. That's how much Jesus loves you. Let that sink in. Hold on to that. Remember that in the wilderness. Next, three times in Psalm 42 and 43, it says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So these are not rhetorical questions here. He's not like, oh, you know, why, dummy? Have you, are you so downcast? God's so good, you shouldn't be downcast. No, these aren't rhetorical questions. These are like legit questions. In the midst of the wilderness of his lament, the psalmist here is doing some self-reflection. And self-reflection, it leads us, when we're downcast, when we're disturbed, it leads us to start to look at what our hopes are. Where are we putting our hopes? Yes, so often when we're in the wilderness, we have put our hope in something that lets us down. For me, in law school, right, I had put my hope in the fact that I had a plan, a purpose, I was going to make a difference in this world. That was a false hope. So much better to have your hope in God 
For you, if you're in the wilderness, where are you putting your hope? Is it in something that's let you down? Maybe it is your expectations or plans for life. Maybe it's a person or relationship, right? What this is about is being honest and listening to yourself. Listen to yourself. What, where is your hope? But we don't just listen to ourselves. No, the next step is we also talk to ourselves. The next step is to boss ourselves around. I love this in the psalm, right? He, he, he wants to know where his heart is. Like what, he wants to do that self-discovery, right? But he doesn't even tell us in the psalm what he's put his hopes in. No, he immediately goes straight to telling himself where he should have put his hope. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Do you see how this is kind of weird? He's praying to God, but he's really just talking to himself. And he's doing it perfectly. I will yet praise him. He doesn't say, I praise you now, God. Oh, yeah, I I don't feel it, but I praise you. No, this isn't fake it till I make it, right? This isn't denial. And he also doesn't say, oh, this is so bad. I will never praise God. It's not delusionment and despair. It's, I will yet praise God. That's faith. Like the faith Steph talked about last weekend in Lament. That is faith. That is hope in a God that can take us in our lament to a place of praise and presence and connection. When we are lonely and alone, when we feel it, it is hard. We don't know how long the wilderness will last. We feel so thirsty, and our self-talk can really start to spin. This sucks so much. It will never end. Where is God? Does he still love me? This sucks so much. This will ne- We just start to spin and spin, and you know what we need to do sometimes? We need to like grab ourselves and maybe even give ourselves like a little shake, and we need to say, hey, hey, self, listen up. Shut up. And listen up. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Trust in a God that can keep you trusting. Put your hope in a God that can take you over that bridge of lament into his loving presence. Can we do that? Can we grab ourselves, boss ourselves around a bit? Okay, those are super practical steps to take on the bridge of lament. And we all have this choice. Remember, we do. We have this choice. We can either go for the God substitutes, these cheap, fleeting imitations, or we can choose, we can refuse, really, to let go of our lament until it takes us into God's presence. Let's choose that. In fact, let's choose that now. Why don't, why don't you stand up with me? We're going to move into ministry time. Here at the Vineyard, it's a time to interact with God, to, to press in even deeper with him. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to come now. Come now in this room. Come now in all the rooms where people are watching online. We need your loving presence. And God, I, I ask first that you, you help us get present to our loneliness to the fact that without you, we are all alone. For some of us, we will need no help at all to get there. It is an epidemic in America today, loneliness, this longing. There is something wrong with our souls. We have a huge sickness. Some of us see it because of the tragedies that have happened in our lives. 
And here at the church, we've had tragedies, and they wake us up to the fact that we feel alone. Maybe it's our sin. We feel so alone in our shame and guilt. Lord, whatever, whatever brings us to that realization that we are alone without you, help us to see the choice clearly. We can medicate it. We can go to our sin of choice. We can go to, to good things. But things that won't fit in that hole in our hearts. Oh, Lord. Help us to refuse to let go of the loneliness until our lament brings us to you. God, I pray that we can walk out even now onto that bridge. Even if we don't feel it, we can just walk out onto that bridge. We can say, God, I'm choosing you. I feel, I don't like this feeling. I don't like feeling alone and empty but I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna stay there because I know you're the only thing that can fill it. So I'm gonna turn to you. I'm gonna turn away from the other things that I've been putting my hope in. Maybe you see some of those things now, things that have let you down. We're gonna remember your love, Jesus. So much love for us. Oh Lord, come. We put our hope in you because you are so good. We will praise you. You know, I'm gonna invite the ministry team to come forward. Um, and if this, is, if this is resonating with you, we would love to pray for you today. If God's given you the elbow, maybe you're at a place where you, you, have the, you know you have this emptiness, this longing in you, and you've never had a relationship with Jesus. Oh, we'd love to pray for you to introduce you to him today. Maybe there's tragedies or sin issues in your life that have created a deep sense of loneliness or maybe there's nothing at all but you just feel alone. We'd love to pray for you. Or maybe you're at a place where you're like, I've reconnected with God and it is so good. I, I see what this bridge of lament can do and I think I need to reach out and lend a hand to others. Let someone pray for you and empower you in that. If there's anything you need prayer for, maybe you need physical healing or you're struggling in your finances, your relationships, we would love to pray for you. Jesus has more for you this morning. They're gonna lead us in some more worship and I would just invite you to slow down and receive what he has for you. Thanks for coming to the Vineyard.